The views and opinions expressed by the hosts of Black Talk Radio News and any guests represents their views and their views only and do not necessarily represent the views of the Black Talk Media Project or the Black Talk Radio Network. to an episode of BTR News with Scotty Reed, broadcasting from behind these enemy lines of USA Inc. Brother Dave and Tando Radio Show is still on vacation. Um, Y'all might have missed his broadcast last week, but he still has another week to go, and he'll be joining us with some more live programming beginning next Monday, which I believe would be the 30th. So I'm sitting in for him today with a broadcast of BTR News. It's so uh, rare these days that I get an opportunity to do a live broadcast, but I thought this would be um, a good week to do so, being that I'm caught up on a lot of stuff. Still some stuff to do, but, you know, I got the bulk of it out of the way. Uh, Lots of stuff to talk about, as always, that's in the news. If you would like to share your questions or comments with us during this broadcast, please give us a call at 704-802-5056. That's 704-802-5056. Hit star star to put yourself in the caller queue. Watch your background noise. And this is a July 23rd broadcast on this Monday evening. Now, I don't know if y'all been watching uh, this Showtime comedy series. It's it's not really comedy because what you're seeing is sad. I'm sure some people are getting some laughs at the jokes that's being played on various politicians and public figures by Sasha Baron Cohen. I think that's the person's name who's known for his elaborate disguises and what have you. But he has a series out after a long hiatus called Who is a America. Who is America? That's that's the name of, of it. I don't know if they came up with that title after Donald Glover uh, made that little um, short hip-hop track called This is America, um, but Who is America? And it features several people, uh, well-known figures. I think Bernie Sanders was may have been in the last one, but I saw a clip of Bernie Sanders being punked, if you will, about the 99% and being told that it makes more sense. Wouldn't it be easier to put the 99% in the 1% and Bernie Sanders telling him it, it don't work that way. But the biggest laughs, if you will, I think is very, very sad. And it just speaks to the type of people that we find in the public eye in uh, let's say the halls of power. These are politicians. And this latest guy, I tell you, man, he might want to go crawl in the hole somewhere. Not because he expressed racist and religious views, but because 
of him cutting the penis off of a fake dummy terrorist, you know, a prop and whatnot. And apparently the prop was anatomically correct and had a little penis. And he cuts the penis off the prop and then he shoves it in his mouth. And I was like, wow, what was that? Did he just take a bite out of that penis? I would, If I was him, I would have been trying to sue to keep that footage from Aaron, but it would have never been me, though, because I would have never cut someone's penis off, not even pretending to cut somebody's penis off, let alone stick a penis in my mouth. So he might want to crawl in the hole with that one. And as soon as I saw that video, my subconscious brought to me uh, remembering a book title. Um, the, there's a radio program and radio station that airs also on the Black Talk Radio Network. That is the context of white supremacy. On Friday nights, they do what's called a book study, and they just go through the audio books and, and then break down the different chapters of what they heard of the book is about. And I was immediately reminded of my by my subconscious of this book called The Delectable Negro. And I have linked to that book title in today's promo if y'all want to check that out. But you could just go to blacktalkradionetwork.com and just type in our search engine, The Delectable Negro. That should pull up uh, Gus T. Renegade's broadcast covering the book the delectable negro human consumption and homo eroticism within u.s slave culture which was a book by vincent woodard who uh passed away some time ago before his book was even published and what have you now i don't like the title uh within u.s slave culture because what he's talking about is american culture you know it's debatable whether or not victims of slavery had their own culture. Yeah, most certainly, you know, they did um, adapt things to fit their own uses and what have you. Um, it just depends on where you're talking about. If you're talking about the United States, North America, no, we can't call it slave culture. We That's, that's the American culture. Human consumption and homoeroticism within the American culture is what I would have put uh, for the title of that book. But the title is what it is. And soon as Mr. Jason Spencer, who is a Georgia state representative uh, serving in the House of Representatives in the state of Georgia, not federal, but in the state house and He's in the last few months of his uh, term, I would say, as he got defeated in a primary, but he has an interesting uh, history, and I just want to talk a little bit about that, but I will say that for last, but that is the main topic. I want to talk about, as a topic, the consumption of non-white bodies, particularly black bodies, but non-white bodies as well when we look at all the refugees south of the border being consumed by the private prison industry America certainly has an appetite literally and figuratively in for consuming non-white bodies 
And sometimes it was literal as the book, The Delectable Negro, Human Consumption and Homoeroticism Within U.S. Slave Culture, again by Vincent Woodard, as it has chapters that talk about that, about um, some of these slavers engaging in, now they might not look at it as cannibalism, but uh, certainly they were eating human beings and they want to try to suppress that information which came out in this book. It also um, plays into the book that that is plays into something I was discussing with someone else or an uh, interaction I had at a local uh, retail store where the cashier thought it was funny to talk about uh, rape in prison as they'll make you your wife. Just, just to give y'all some context, let me just share this quick story. I was in a Dollar General in this little small town that's just above us. I live in a, a rural area. I don't live in a town. Um, but I went to this store to pick up a few items and the cashier was not there. Uh, she was there when I came in. She walked to the back after telling me where the aisle was of the items I was looking for. She goes to the back. I get my items. I'm at the register waiting. I'm figuring that she's in the bathroom or otherwise indisposed. So I'm, I'm being a little patient. And so then another white woman comes up behind me. I make eye contact with this white woman and you know, of looks could kill as they say. So I, I knew this was not a friendly white woman uh, because I can pick up on people's expression. I can read your eyes. They say the eyes are the windows of the soul. And this woman was looking at me, never seen, probably never seen me before, um, but looking at me, this old uh, white woman looking at me like, you know, she got some hate in her eyes. Then she asks me, then another white woman comes in and gets behind her and they both asked me, where is the, and it was a white woman. They didn't ask me, you know, where is that white woman that was running the register? But it was a white woman. They asked me where was, you know, the, uh, the cash, the cashier. And I said, probably in the back looking, uh, using the bathroom, possibly, I don't know. So then this, this old white woman with hate in her eyes says to me, you know, you could just run out the door with your items and they would never even know. And I, I think for about 10, 15 seconds and I reply to her, if I was a thief, that's something I would do. But in terms of them never knowing, don't you see that camera right there? Big old monitor right above our head with a sign that says you are on camera. All right. And <laughs> so that's that's the context of that story. And, and so the cashier overheard me saying that and saying that, oh, yeah, I also stated to her, I have no desire to go into prison slavery. I'm not a thief. And um, so the cashier overheard me and she was like, yeah, prison slavery is worse than the other kind of slavery back in the day, because in prison, they'll make you your wife. Now, this wasn't the time or the place for a black man in a little country redneck town to be educating some suspected racist rednecks on their ignorance and what have you. So, you know, she did repeat my words, prison slavery, because slavery was never abolished. Read the 13th Amendment for context. 
Um, but, you know, I didn't think it was appropriate to be joking about anybody being raped. And I'm thinking to myself as I leave the store, why, what does, is she not aware of all the raping stuff that went on uh, back in 1865, pre-13th Amendment slavery? Was she not aware of any of that? And, and you know, the males, the females, and the children were being raped. Well, that's some of that's in the delectable Negro, the human consumption and homoeroticism within U.S. slave culture. It's not talking about homoeroticism between the victims of slavery, but the slavers uh, carrying out, and I'm talking about the white males carrying out their homosexual desires on male victims of slavery. And so again, that's exactly what I thought of when I saw this Georgia State Representative Jason Spencer talking about some sand niggers and we'll I'll talk about that when we get on our main topic but he eats a penis he eats the little fake penis of the fake terrorists on this show who is America I was like wow the delectable sand negroes huh he likes eating sand nigger penises and what have you so very very disgusting story and it, it would be funny if it wasn't this guy's real behavior. He wasn't following no script. He wasn't acting. This is what was in him to do. And apparently he likes sticking penises in his mouth and what have you. So we'll we'll talk about that Georgia lawmaker right there. And, and you know, just the consumption of black bodies, non-white bodies by American culture. As well as I want to take a look at the use of the word or the term sand nigger now I tried to find um, this article that I read several years ago where you had I, I presume a black American who was Muslim who lobbed a grenade into the command tent in Iraq where he was stationed at and of course they was going to arrest him give him a court martial and all of that and when asked why he did it he said cause they was racist Cause his commander, who was a white male, and all the other little little uh, soldiers thought, you know, would refer to the people of Iraq as sand niggers and what have you. So I guess he was feeling kind of some kind of way about that, and he lobbed a grenade when they was all together in a command tent. I'm not sure how many he killed, but he killed at least the commander uh, is who he killed. So I want I want to talk about that because I found a few stories related to that. And again, this is, this is why I do not look back fondly on my participation in the United States military, spent six years in the U.S. Army, very young, very naive, uh, with a lot to learn. And I just prevented my children from repeating the same mistakes. And I just don't see how logical it is for non-white people, black, Hispanic, whatever, not people classified as non-white in this system. I, I don't see the logic in us joining the military. Okay. I, I joined to not accumulate school debt like my sister had. Um, but still, I, I just can't see it. I can't see it today. I, I wish I possibly would have found another way 
Um, where there's a will, there's a way, but I would have done it. If I could do it over again, I would do it without joining the United States military. Now, before I get into that main topic, again, the main topic for today is, is about Jason Spencer, this representative who who sticks the penises of terrorists in his mouth. I guess he's taking a bite out of terrorism, so to speak, so whatever. <laughs> Wow, and just just the cannibalism of these people, uh, of, the, of people like him. All right, so anyway, I do want to go over a couple of news stories of the day. Now, I did not post this in btrcommunity.com, which is our social media uh, community for the Black Talk Radio Network. If you have not joined, please join us. There's a 30-day free trial period. After that, it will charge you $24 a year. This is how we're able to do the things we do without corporate support, without money from the Ford Foundation or Joel Soros, without, um, you know, all of those different corporate ads that you see on the other social media. So if everybody pitch in some pennies, you know, then we could do that. So that's about what, $24 a year? breaks down to about to what 200 pennies a month think you can scrape that together to help out the black talk media project we certainly appreciate those who have but um there is a story that i should have included but i'm just going to talk about it off the top of my head so everybody seems to have not everybody but a lot of people got trump derangement syndrome Now, Trump is a deranged individual, but it's no reason for us to act all deranged and get bent out of shape over every little thing that the man does. You know, if it's not specifically racist or terroristic and what have you. Now, I know, you know, that doesn't leave much, but, um, you know, this Mueller probe and this Russian red scare that's been going on just a repeat of the 1950s McCarthyism and what have you I'm not buying into it and I did a program last week or the week before where I said I don't care I don't care if the Russians were spying on them they spy on the Russians and everybody else this is what they do so I'm not going to get all bent out of shape nor am I going to slap on my Captain American Costume, I really don't have one. But if I had one, I wouldn't be slapping on my Captain of America costume and trying to show everybody what a U.S. patriot I am because I'm not. (laughs) You know, why should I be in a nation that's still practicing slavery uh, and racism and xenophobia and a whole bunch of other isms? Why Why should I be patriotic to a nation founded on genocide and slavery and maintained through racism. No, I'm not going to be patriotic. But anyway, so right before Trump was supposed to meet with Putin, the Putin summit is what most people are calling it, or the Trump-Putin summit, Robert Mueller indicts 12 Russians who allegedly interfered. If you ask how they interfered, they're talking about they hacked into the DNC server, although Robert Mueller nor the FBI has ever examined the DNC uh, uh, server, and they're just going off of secondhand information from a private 
uh, company that the DNC hired. And of course, they're going to say whatever the DNC wants them to say. It's just not appropriate. It's not logical law enforcement procedure for the FBI not to do its own examination. Just no excuse for that. And the hacking of Hillary Clinton's emails, although she made it easy for them to hack by using an unapproved uh, private server that was in her New York home, one of her homes, basement and what have you. If she did um, uh, adhere to the protocols at the State Department, they, they wouldn't have been able to get a hold of her email. Some say she might have did that on purpose just so foreign entities could spy on the United States. I mean, they paid, I don't think they gave Bill Clinton 500000 in Russia for a speech just because they like the sound of his voice. So who knows? I'm just speculating, just like everybody else is speculating. But here is the thing, though. The Manafort case. In that case, you know, uh, Paul Manafort, who was part of the Trump administration or was going to be a part of the Trump administration, I'm not exactly sure right now, but he has been indicted and what have you and his treatment in that jail that he was in. That's a whole nother story. He was getting a VIP treatment in jail. But anyway, Robert Mueller asked for um, to keep the witnesses against Robert, uh, excuse me, against Paul Manafort, a secret. So, I mean, what what does Mueller think he's doing? Is he running some kind of secret kangaroo court or something like that? Why, if these people, he wanted them to get immunity as well. That's the word I was looking for. Not just keep their identity secret, but also give them immunity to the crimes that they committed. And, and so, but they were going to testify against Paul Manafort. But today, the judge issued a ruling and said, no, this is a public trial. So if they're going to testify, we're not having no secret testimony or, or none of that kind of stuff. Um, this is a, a, a trial that has the public interest. We A lot of people have bought into this collusion mess with the Russians. And so the public want to know. Who are these people that Robert Mueller wants to give, it's about five or six of them, wants to give immunity to testify against Paul Manafort. And I'm with the judge. I'm with the judge. No, Robert Mueller, we're not running no secret kangaroo court. You must thought you was down there in Guantanamo Bay or something, you know, down there in Cuba on, on, in the detention facility where we have kangaroo trials and hold people without trial for years and what have you. So I, I thought that was some good news, actually, that um, the the identities of these five individuals that Robert Mueller wants to give immunity so that they're not charged with crimes, make their identities public. I wonder who they are. Who do y'all think they are? I've heard some people talk about perhaps it might be Tony Podesta, who is a, a brother-in-law of John Podesta. And both of them started a lobbying firm together. Although I think John may have stepped away so he could run Hillary's campaign. And, and guess who the Podesta, and that's not, I'm not sure that's the name of the little lobbyist firm they had, but uh, Tony Podesta did some work for some Russians too. Y'all see how silly this is. 
You really see? No, you don't, do you? So I'm, I'm, I was happy to see that news. Hey, don't give these people immunity. Well, if they're going to get immunity, don't keep their identity secret. I want to know what they, what they actually did, what they was accused of. Who are these people? All right. So next story. Want to talk about this story? I just found out about it today. Um, you had two sisters, literal sisters. I'm not talking, you know, you know, us black folks. We like to call each other brother and sister. Um, but you had these two sisters who were black, who are black. One's dead now. Um, very young women. One, the 18 year old one was stabbed and killed and her sister who was 26 years old was severely injured and they were attacked at the MacArthur BART station in Oakland, California last night and there was a manhunt on for this guy. I haven't read that they caught him yet. Um, what is his name? I got his name. Oh man, why do they not like to post the names uh, right away. Let me pull up this article uh, from Bart.gov because it actually gives his name and his picture. Let me read this to you. Um, so I'm not sure if it happened early this morning or it may have happened last night. Yeah, it happened last night. It says, murder suspect identified in MacArthur stabbing. The BART Police Department is releasing images of the suspect wanted for fatally stabbing 18-year-old Nia Wilson and wounding her sister at MacArthur Station Sunday night. BART Police officers were already at MacArthur Station when the incident occurred at approximately 9.36 p.m. and were flagged down about a male suspect on the platform with a knife. Officers arrived on the platform and found two women suffering from stab wounds. Officers immediately began rendering aid to the victims until paramedics arrived. Neil Wilson succumbed to her injuries and was pronounced dead at the scene. Her sister was taken to a nearby hospital. It appears both the suspect and victims boarded a BART train at Concord Station at the same time and then off-boarded at MacArthur. BART detectives have, have carefully reviewed video from the surveillance cameras on the train the victims and suspect were riding on, as well as platform video at MacArthur Station. The attack happened on the MacArthur platform. BART detectives are sharing images from the surveillance videos with other law enforcement agencies as well as the public. We did share his picture on our Twitter profile, Black Talk Radio. Um, it's also in uh, the BTR platform, our social media network, and my news stories for today. You'll see a picture of this guy. Uh, his name is John Lee Cowell, and he's 27 years old. He's he's reported as Caucasian. That's white male. Stands at five foot eight and weighs 190 pounds. He has short dark hair, hair as well as a closely cropped beard and mustache. He should be considered dangerous, and anyone who sees him should immediately call 911. So they share on this on this piece about three 
different articles. And um, in the bottom one, the one taken from the video, uh, you may be able to recognize him. You may not be able because he looks slightly different from his mugshot from an earlier arrest. And several things come to my mind on this. You want to know why for all these years on BTR News, I have said I'm broadcasting from behind enemy lines. This is why. This is why I talk about moving behind these enemy lines in a codified manner. Because you never know. You never know. Especially in in this climate during, what what do they call it, uh, during the era of Trump right now. Especially during this climate. Now, I don't know if this guy is racist. He's certainly a racist suspect by the color of his skin. We suspect all white people of being racist until they show different. So, but you just have to be careful of your surroundings at all times. For example, what what's some of the things that, and, and I'm not victim blaming by any means whatsoever. I'm not victim blaming. I'm just saying, I mean, you could take all the precautions and still become a victim, but still you should take precautions. So like one of the reasons when I used to ride public transit in Charlotte, when I was living in Charlotte, North Carolina, I would always sit at the back of the bus. Why would I always sit at the back of the bus? Because I don't want nobody behind me because I want everything in front of me where I can keep an eye on it, on everything. I usually wait till people exit first and then I'm usually the last to get off. If, you know, we're at a stop where everybody's getting off at the end of the line. I never, ever like to have people walking close behind me. And this is the reason why. Now, I have not seen the video I'm not too keen on watching these snuff films and what have you. So I'm not sure if he came up from behind and attacked these two women. I'm not sure if he, you know, confronted them and then stabbed them. Or I just don't have all the information right now. But, you know, in the interest of you preserving your life, I'm just telling you some of my habits of what I do when I'm in public spaces like that. Okay. I, I I definitely don't like people behind walking too close behind me. And I always sit at the back of the car, back of the bus, whatever. So I can keep everything in front of me. All right. So I'm not sure if this terrorist and I'm calling them terrorists this person said to me on Twitter, oh, stop with the terrorist language. He's a murderer. We don't have a motive yet. And I thought to myself, guess what? Within hours of the 9-11 attack, before you even knew who did it, and I still say you don't know who did it, or at least the public doesn't know who did 9-11, but that didn't stop y'all from calling it a terrorist attack within hours. Yeah, So he's a racist suspect, and this is a suspected terrorist attack because we're seeing a lot of white terrorism right now, okay? And another thing came to me when I read this story. Why is it 
I know why. I I have an inkling why. I I suspect I I know why. But why is the vast majority of these attacks by these white males, terrorist suspects, racist suspects, why is it always on women? Why is it always on children? Why is it always on elderly people like the old man who got stabbed in the back by that terrorist from Maryland in New York? who said he went up there to kill somebody black and stabbed the old black man, 60, 70 something year old black man in his back. And I noticed the pattern. I'm like, man, they always picking on our women. They always picking on our children. I don't see too many of them confronting males. Well, I did see one on a train platform. I don't know where it was, but somebody posted video to Twitter where this this um well actually I saw two of them on one they were in the on the platform it was a rather large black male taking off his shirt asking this white dude who was ranting and raving and walking back and forth who he called the nigger and the next thing I know the black dude after he took off his work shirt he then cold cocked the white dude might have knocked him out with the front first punch and the dude fell and and almost fell on the tracks where he would have been electrocuted. Okay, people were screaming and stuff, and I was like, wow, man, I, I bet he'll think twice before he calls somebody else a nigga. And then I saw another one where this, this muscular white dude, this dude was big, man, like he spent a lot of time in the gym going up against a smaller but equally built a uh, black dude who looked like he spent a lot of time in the gym and they were getting off the bus and they were talking apparently or arguing about something and the black male gets off the bus and the white male follows him, gets off the bus and then they square off in the street like they was in a boxing ring, you know, throwing up the dukes and everything. And then the black dude with MMA style on him and tackled the dude who hit his head on a metal trash can and sound like, then they kept scuffling and the dude, black dude was able to get some shots in on him and, and, and pretty much knocked him out. And then with the kick, kicking him in the head, when the black female said, wait, stop, he ain't worth you going to prison over. And she was correct. And I saw some people take shots at the black woman talking about she trying to save the white supremacist. No, she was not. The dude was already senseless on the ground, not able to defend himself and got put in his place on his back on the pavement was his place and it was no need to try to kill a dude because you know uh that was being videotaped and they both could be seen clearly and we don't need another black body being consumed on a prison plantation so i don't i did not look at it as her protecting the white supremacists no it was her calming the black male down uh, so that he didn't do further damage and, and get up and catch a tempted murder charge. Y'all know how these prosecutors do. Again, it's about it's about um, uh, moving in a codified manner behind these enemy lines. And and so, thankfully, the black male prevailed, and he didn't get arrested or go to prison or anything like that. But, you know, those are the only two videos I've seen. Now, if they do attack another black male, they're usually in the car and they run the black male over. 
They hit them with the car, as we've seen that in the past. If it's a black male of fighting age, which I would say anywhere from maybe 50, depending upon how how um, in shape that black male is, and or, or anywhere from the age of 16 on up, they usually don't, you know, these black or uh, these white males usually won't mess with us. But they will pick on the elderly. They will pick on children. And they will pick on women, as is the case with 18-year-old Neil Wilson being stabbed to death by this this terrorist, racist suspect, and her sister, you know, being severely injured. So that that's that's what came to my mind on those two stories. The next story I want to get to. Now y'all might have saw the video of the white male which I couldn't tell their ethnicity or skin color from the grainy video that I first saw on social media. But the black male, there's a white male who's arguing with what with who we know now to be a black female who was parked in a handicapped space at, at this convenience store or some type of store that they had stopped at. The black male was in the store with his five-year-old son and this white male comes up and he starts arguing with the black woman about why she's parked in a handicapped spot and I guess it got heated and they're arguing and shouting you know based off of secondhand information that I have come across but then you see the black male run out the store and and shove this racist suspect down to the ground. I mean, he shoved them pretty damn hard. And, you know, this black guy was pretty built, pretty stout, and what have you. The white male laying on the ground pulls out his gun and shoots him in the chest. It ends up killing him. Again, I don't I don't engage in victim blaming. But I do try to learn from these circumstances when, when these sort of things happen. How what what would Scotty do? You could say, what would Scotty do? You know, that's what I tell my children and my grandchildren or how to handle different situations. If I came out and I saw this white male in a verbal argument with my significant other, I mean, it could have been just a black female I was with. It doesn't matter if I hell, even if I wasn't even with them. But if I seen a white male verbally arguing with a black female, I would have walked up to that white male and asked him, what's the problem? What's the problem? You know, how can I help you today? You you have some problem with this black woman. Maybe I can help you solve that problem. What I would not have done, and I can understand the mental space that this black male was in, that's his significant other. He's in a relationship with this black woman. I'm not sure at this point if it was the mother of his children. He sees this white male verbally assaulting her, arguing with her about why she's parked in a handicapped spot. So he runs out, perhaps in fear of their lives, for the, for their lives, and he and he just pushes the guy down violently, pushed him down, and then started backing up. 
that was the mo emotional reaction. That, that was not the sensible way to have. Again, we live behind enemy lines. It ain't all about these people on the internet that want to hoop and holler and egg us on in the getting into violent confrontation with these racist suspects because we know that the system is going to be behind their whiteness. So we have to always keep that in mind if we want to keep ourselves out of prison slavery. I, I, I'm not so much worried about my life because I don't care for my life on this planet. All right. And I don't mean that in the way that I'm suicidal or anything like that. I just hate this planet. I hate the state that this planet is in. I hate the way human beings are treated all over the planet. And the only thing I would miss is my children, my mother and my grandchildren, of course. Okay, other than that, you know, I wouldn't miss it. So I, I'm not a type of person where I fear for my life. I just don't want to be end up in prison slavery. So that's how I would have handled that. I would, because again, you never know what these people may be carrying. You apparently did not know this man had a gun. He had a concealed and carry permit and you in a state with the law on the books stand your ground and I am not against those laws I don't know why black people want to be against the law about standing your ground whenever a white person shoots a black person let's get rid of the law the law ain't the problem the problem is white people racist suspects to be specific the law stand your ground ain't the problem because if anybody, I don't care what color you are, run up on my property armed with a stick, with a bottle, with a knife, with a gun, I'm going to stand my ground. You're going to catch a bullet. And I don't think I should go to jail for that or prison for that. I don't bother people. I am not that type of guy. I don't, I don't bother people. I mind my business. Unless I will, unless somebody else's life is in danger, and I ascertain the situation and 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 get a lay of the land, and then go through my mind, what's the best approach to handling this? And sometimes, you know, you don't have time to think, which I think that black male didn't really think about it. He was just acting on emotion, on on a desire that many of us have to protect our family members. But he ran into the situation blind because there were too many unknowns. And it would have been just as, just as effective to walk up to the white male and ask him, hey, you have a problem here? No, we shouldn't be parked in this handicapped spot, but we finna move. You have a nice day, partner. Now, I'm not going to say unless we find out that this white male has a history of racism and what have you, um, you know, if he's got a Confederate flag on his vehicle or whatever, then I, I you know, again, he, he's still a suspected racist, but I can't call this incident racist just because he was white. All right. Because he does have a history of confronting people 
parked in handicapped spaces. So that, that's another thing that we shouldn't do. Again, moving behind these enemy lines, you got to be codified, which means you're not trying to bring attention to yourself. You're not trying to bring undue situations about. So that's number one. Don't park in handicapped spaces. So this person has a history, this white man has a history of confronting people in handicapped spaces. Why? I don't know. Perhaps somebody handicapped in his family. I don't know. I just simply don't know. I, I, I'm, I'm, I'm not a psychic. I'm not any of that. But he has a history of confronting people who park in handicapped spaces who aren't authorized to park in those handicapped spaces. So it's a very tragic story. Very tragic story. I know this black man was was coming to his family's aid. But if you find yourself in a similar situation, keep this in mind. You just because that might be a scrawny little white person, it might be an old little white woman, whatever you don't know what they might have. They might have a firearm. They might be looking for a situation to provoke, to shoot somebody. So we have to always keep our wits about us behind these enemy lines. Okay, that's all I'm trying to say. That's all I'm, I'm trying to say. And he's not going to be charged. And I don't see why anybody would waste any time trying to repeal the law. That's just wasted political effort. Okay, that's just a waste, man. What problem do you got with staying your ground? If somebody had came up to you and shoved you to the ground, because I'm a little too old right now. I'm in my 50s. I got a back injury and what have you. And if some you little young, young uh, racist terrorist suspect want to run up on me and shove me to the ground, I'm not trying to fight. I'm not trying to fight. No. But I will shoot. So that, again, we had to be cognizant of where we live and what's going on. All right, next story. Um, before we get to the top of the hour and the main topic, I will open up the phone lines for anyone to comment on any of the stories. I'm doing things a little different so that we can make sure we get all the information out and then, and then we'll open up the lines. But we will ask if anybody has questions or comments about any of these stories Keep um, keep your comments concise and to the point. Next story that I found interesting and in the news. Now, this goes back to another experience I had, a teachable moment for my daughter. Um, but y'all may have seen this story about these freshman college students who were black, um, were in suburban St. Louis, and they were there to attend some type of summer freshman orientation at the college they were going to attend. So they decided to go to an IHOP one night and then they left the IHOP and then these two police officers, I think they were in one car, uh, stopped them. They had got a report that two black people had, had did what they call a dine and dash. That's where you eat. And then you just run up out of there without paying. So they had got a report that two black males had pulled a dime and dash. And the cops come across 
the students, all right? And it was more than two of them, so that should have been their first clue. Then they had take-home bags from IHOP, which should have been the second clue. Then they had receipts, which should have been the third clue, and there would have been no need to march these black students back to the IHOP, along with a bunch of more slave catchers. I think it turned out to be about four more cars. Might have been six cars. Escorting several is described as several squad cars to escort them back to the restaurant. So I understand patrolmen aren't detectives, but they should have some common freaking sense. Okay? They should have some common sense and all the three clues that they had that these weren't the two people that they were looking for. It was more than two people. They had take-home bags and what have you, and they had receipts. So they drive them back to the place, and the manager tells them that, no, these aren't the two people who left without paying. So now the entire the city manager and the police chief and all of them is apologizing, and they're talking about you know, uh, racial sensitivity training. That's like the new thing now. You know, we got to teach people how not to be racist or to be racially sensitive. And I don't know how I feel about that because it's kind of like portraying black people as little children whose feelings are easily hurt. You know, this racial sensitivity and what have you. No, what we need to be dealing with is overt acts of racism, you know, and, and what have you. I, I, I'm not sure how I feel about that, okay? But, you know, um, it is what it is. Now, what's the teachable moment in this? As a black person behind enemy lines, to always keep your receipts. That's the teachable moment. And, you know, I had on social media a thread where someone had mentioned how they get angry whenever they're leaving Walmart or Target or whatever retail store and you had a person who's checking receipts. Now, my experience has always been that they check the receipts. If you have electronics, if you have big items or something like that on the buggy and and what have you. Although I have seen videos of them checking receipts of people who look like they might have had a banana in the bag or something. And that's it. You know, nothing too expensive or what have you. So, you know, I'm sure that there are some people in those positions taxed with that low-wage earner job. They can't be being paid that much to check receipts at the door. I mean, really, who who wants that job? I don't. Um so, but I'm sure some of them use it as an opportunity to practice racism. So this person was saying, you know, I usually tell them to get out my face and to call the police, you know, and what have you, if you think I stole something. And I was like, well, the last, that has only happened to me about five times in my lifetime. And the last time it happened to me, it was me and my daughter who went shopping and I had a microwave in the bottom of the of the cart as we were leaving the register and headed for the door. And I saw this white girl standing there checking people receipts and what happened. So I already knew I was going to be checked. And but I was already prepared because I have adopted a code to where I always keep my receipt in my hand until I get myself in my vehicle. Because nobody will say. I stole something. You know what I'm saying? 
So, you know, I see people throw their receipts away all the time. And no, I'm keeping my receipt. Plus, I might want to bring it back. So I have my receipt in my hand in case anybody asks to see my receipt. Now, my daughter was with me. She, she's like 22, 23 years old. And she gets mad, right? This is afterwards, though. I showed the girl the receipt. She see the microwave on there. We, we about our business. We on with the rest of our life. So my daughter was kind of mad. I was like, why you, why you mad? She was like, well, why she asked you for your receipt? You was right there at the register and all that. And I was like, you know what? There ain't nothing for you to get mad over. And I could tell that the girl was nervous about asking us for a receipt. Because you know, she really was. She was looking like she was scared of, you know, I'm I'm not the biggest person in the world, but I ain't small either. I'm, I stand 6'2", about 230, 225, something like that, um, you know. So she looking apprehensive as I'm approaching her, like she really don't want to ask me for the receipt. But that's her job. So I said, Ayana, if you was working here, that might have been your job. So why would I get mad at you? I wouldn't be mad at you. Just like I'm not going to be mad at her. Because she doing a job she was given to do. And she act like she didn't even want to do it. But what, me getting mad brings stress. When you get mad, when you get angry, y'all feel that stress, that tension in your brain. And, and, and you know, it, it just it's not a good feeling. So I'm like, why well, am I going to get mad over a piece of paper? I'm just show the receipt, and I'm going to be about the rest of my life, get in the car, turn on the radio, and drive, and take my behind home. I'm not going to get in the hard car angry. This damn white girl asked me for my receipt. They racist. And, oh, hell no. Hell no. I got enough stress in my life. And I don't need to add trivial crap to it. We know they check receipts. Why catch an attitude? But again, these black college students had their receipts. They didn't throw the receipts away. They had the receipts so that they could prove that they had paid for their meals. That's good codified behavior that we should take note of. Don't throw your receipt in the trash. Keep it on you. At all times, I don't care if 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 you if you don't have a bag, just keep the receipt, stick it in your wallet, or something like that. All right. So so, luckily, these young college students were not set up for prison slavery or even taken to jail, you know, for a night, because we know you can die overnight uh, in these jails. Uh, let me see. I mean, more stories I got. I just got a couple of more stories. I'm going to take a break. When we come back, I'll open up the phone lines for about five minutes, 10 minutes. Let y'all get any comments or questions you have about these stories that I have shared with you today. Maybe you got some different advice on how we should handle some of these interactions with racist suspects, terrorist suspects, or with each other behind these enemy lines of USA Inc. Now, this is a very tragic, 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 tragic story. I can't say that enough, man. But you had nine people in one family. Would have been 10. No, should have been 11. It was 11 family members who were on this butt, this boat. They call it a duck boat. 
okay, little duck boat, what have you. Um, never seen those before. I mean, I've seen pictures of them, obviously. Never seen them in real life. But you had this duck boat capsized and nine family members died, man, from a little baby up into a elderly person. All of one family died. I, I mean, I was like, I couldn't imagine. I hate to be the one that survived. I could imagine what that black woman going through where all her family members have perished on this freaking boat. Now, here's the outrageous part of, of the story in this doggone video was trying to start up and I don't want it to start up. Y'all give me just a second. Man, I hate some of the stuff that they embed on some of these websites, man. When you try to read the stories, it, it's like causing all kind of problems with your browser, which then, you know, crosses over the problems with your conference line, which crosses over the problems with your stream. Man, stop embedding all these damn videos that start automatically like that if it's going to have a whole bunch of other stuff on the page. Anyway, let me read this. This comes to you from Branson, Missouri. The doomed duck boat that sank in the middle of a storm on Thursday, this happened last Thursday, killed 17 people, was raised from the depths of a Missouri lake on Monday as authorities hope to learn more about why the vessel foundered. I don't know what that means. I'll have to look that word up. During the retrieval efforts, which began around 9 a.m., divers connected the ride the duck's boat to a crane that dragged the vessel from its resting place 80 feet deep in Table Rock Lake, U.S. Coast Guard Captain Scott Stolmere said the boat will be dewatering and given to the National Transportation Security Board for investigation. Now, these were the conditions, and I don't know if they covered that in this book. But it was very, 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 very bad weather. I heard that there might have even been a tornado or a hurricane warning out at the time. The water was very, very choppy, and the wind was blowing very, very hard. And I don't think I would have got on that boat. In fact, some people who were supposed to be on the boat said they weren't getting on that boat. They weren't going out there. But, okay, you get on the boat. Then the captain, who I'm not sure if he lost his life, most likely he didn't, but he told them that they don't need any life jackets. So nobody had on a life jacket. I don't care what somebody tells you. You never know what can happen. But if any of y'all, you know, my daughter goes out and my grandson goes out on a boat with one of her friends. They go fishing and, and what have you. I've been a few times, but I don't go too much. I usually like just fishing from the bank. But, you know, you always put on a life jacket, especially if the wind is blowing and the water is choppy. I don't care if they tell me they ain't got enough life jackets, then I'm not getting on that boat. Don't get on these boats, people, without life jackets. Because you see what can happen. That man, if he told them 
not to put on those life jackets. Number one, I wouldn't have listened to him. I'd have, I'd have took his life jacket. You know, if he had on one, that's what I want to know. Did he have on a life jacket when he was telling other people not to have on life jackets? And if, you know, hey, I want a life jacket or let me have your life jacket. Let me see you go without a life jacket. But I bet you this dude survived. I, I believe he did survive. So my heart goes out to this family. I couldn't imagine something like this happening. To my family, you know, we've had family reunions on the lake before with boat rides and stuff like that. Everybody always had life jackets. This is just so tragic and was preventable. So preventable. So that's a terrible story. Very tragic story. So again, what would what would I do? I would have a life jacket on, folks. You make sure you have one too. Last story. Then I'll take a um, music break and open up the phone lines. Our telephone number is 704-802-5056. 704-802-5056. Hit star star to put yourself in the caller's queue. Watch your background noise, please, as we try to preserve the quality of the broadcast. But this last story, Trump's acting like the criminal thug that he is again on Twitter, issuing threats towards Iran. And I like the take of this Slate article. They're saying that Trump is escalating a crisis with Iran so he could jump in and defuse it. So y'all know prior to Trump going to North Korea and meeting up with Kim Jong-un, who he disrespectfully referred to as Rocket Man, and they, and they still, other members of the administration, I heard Pence or or was it the um, head of the State Department talking about they was going to give Kim Jong-un a copy of Rocket Man? Just trolling the dude, man. Y'all think these, these racist suspects and terrorists want peace on that peninsula? You're solely mistaken. And the people who, who pay to have the tune played that these people are playing, are they don't want peace because that will hurt their profits from the military industrial complex but trump is on is on on twitter now threatening iran talking about what he'll do to him and saying that oh y'all ain't never been hit before like we'll hit you and all this and that and i mean this guy is really really just so immature so unstable so sociopathic i mean Jeez, man, it makes you wonder, man, that they should have mental screenings. Everybody's always concerned about the health of the president, and and especially if they're old or something. What about their mental health, man? This guy should not be in control of nobody's nuclear weapons whatsoever, man. He's too big of a, a juvenile. He's too he's too emotional. He's too unstable, man. So, again, I hope your children are not in the United States military. And if they are, I feel sorry for you and I feel sorry for your children. Um, Because especially if they're non-white, there's no logical reason that we should be fighting in any kind of war that they start. And they usually always start them, especially with the way that we are mistreated here in America. And you want to...
talk about some damn patriotism and worried about some Russians. Ain't no Russian police shooting you down in the streets. Ain't no Russians running your local county jail. Ain't no Russians in charge of the private prisons. They may be investors. You may have some individual Russians because, you know, uh, slavery is on the stock market by investing in private prisons. That's what you're doing, investing in slavery. So, But ain't no Russians making these decisions to lock up all these, all these non-white people. No, the Russians didn't do it. And the Iranians ain't doing nothing to us either. So, you know, y'all can be gung-ho, G.I. Joe, all that stuff. Don't be ignorant me when I was 20-something years old. Not yet, you know, read, read Malcolm yet. Hadn't read a lot of stuff yet. So that's just my, Trump is escalating. It's like this dude just wants World War III to break out so he can play commander in chief. This is just disgusting and very, very dangerous behavior. All right, I'm going to leave it there. You're listening to Black Talk Radio News, a rare live broadcast on this Monday evening when we come back after the station identification and short music break. We'll check the phone line, see if anybody has any questions or comments about what we've heard thus far. And then we will get into the topic of the consumption of non-white bodies by racist white America with this representative Spencer, Jason Spencer caught on video acting like he was cutting off the penis of a quote unquote Arab terrorist and then sticks the penis in his mouth and I'm calling it the delectable sand negroes as he was calling them sand niggers and all that good stuff. All right, BTR News, Black Talk Radio Network. Be right back. Let me share something with you. Listen. 
I got a secret, everybody come to listen. Took the money out of schools and they got rich building prisons. Trick the people in the club with rap verses and rhyme. Made it cooler go to jail, then gave niggas time. Well, brainwash the people with a marketing plan. This brother all around me like he's stalking me, man. With his slogans and his phrases, keeps the masses in their places to accept for extermination like Logan through the mazes. It's in the book of ages, but we never read the pages till Hitler rises up to exterminate the races. Where were all the Christians when we started dropping bombs? Where was Luke? Matthew, Mark, and John They say pray to Christ but act nothing like him As they lead the sheep to slaughter We get crucified just like them Scripture says the meek shall inherit the earth But after global warming tell me what that shit worth Not the price of dirt He got me for my shirt The emperor has no clothes and kindly dropped the skirt So she can get it in the rear We should have known that it was near Osama's just a tool they used to promote their brand of fear Extra, extra, read all about it This the daily news for the streets post crowded Some say I get in too deep I got a secret, everybody come to listen They took the money out of schools and they got rich building prisons Atlanta children missing, one man set for lynching The murder still continued, but no one can't enlist them What's the price of black when white is valued higher? Who's the last to get the job, the first to get the fire? No one gets the blame, truth is just the truth Most don't have a future, cause most don't know their roots But they know flavor hoops and they think that shit is cute Like Beyonce in a G-string and Jay-Z in a suit The Pop Piper with a flute, mommy getting zoot The children's in the street and the dealers about to shoot the cycle goes around like the cycle going around snatching up our babies like the fruit from off the ground who tends the garden who watches over sheep the priest is here to raise our souls when we sleep. i tell confessions to a beast they say god is like the thief who comes in the darkest night to quickly snatch a peep and find my brother's keeper who's my sister's keep some nigga named sugar bear with diamonds in his teeth extra extra read all about it this the daily news for the streets post crowded some say i get in too deep when i speak up so I doubt it. And these New York Times listening to the village voice. Stillers and gangbangers killing. A killer's choice. I build the stand. The man I am true. Read about me in the Amsterdam news. And this white man's. I try to do the right thing in my life like Mookie. But I'm still a public enemy, so they set me up like Tuki. We should all stand tall like Jamal in a pen. So I call for the fall of Babylon with the pen. You see everything on time like a man they've been. Why they call me black if that's not the color of my skin? And why they call you white if we all born in sin? That sound like the gin, out to tent men The devil wears a suit, but I can see it in his grin If Jesus is the word, and the word is on the cross And the cross is in the club, why so many people lost Two towers down, everybody like Moss All patriotic, but what's the final cost? What's the final cost? What's the final cost? Extra, extra, read all about it This the daily news for the streets post crowded Some say I get in too deep when I speak about it You reap what your soul, I doubt it And these New York Times Listening to the village voice, stealers and gangbangers killing. A killer's choice, I build the stand, the man I am true. Read about me in the Amsterdam news. In this white man's world. You are tuned in to the Black Talk Radio Network. For podcasts and live program scheduling, visit us on the web at blacktalkradionetwork.com. And what, excuse me. Welcome back to BTR News. Scotty Reed sitting in on this broadcast from behind the enemy lines of USA Inc. So, uh, see the board is cleared. I assume that nobody has a question or a comment. Uh, let me check the chat. I see, shout out to Strategic Melanin. She has a 
has a lot to say, and um, I agree, women do need self-defense. Um, again, just certain precautions, you know, just like you want to be cognizant of your surroundings, especially some people look suspicious, and white males are definitely suspicious-looking, considering the conditions under which we live, and not letting them get behind you, let them just walk on by, you know what I'm saying? So you could keep your eye on them and have them, you know, um, in full view at all times, whenever you're around them, you have to be cognizant of your surroundings. Um, too many sneak attacks, man, but they love picking on these women and children. Um, let me see now. Strategic says she's tired of white people always questioning the move a black person is making. Yeah, you know, you do get tired of these things. And in the cases of white people asking me for a receipt, I don't get mad over that. It's not like it happens all the time. Uh, if it did happen all the time and it's always the same person every time I'm in the store, then we're going to have a problem. We're going to have to go to customer service, talk to a manager or something about why you always harassing me when I come up in this piece, or maybe I need to stop coming up in this piece. How about that? You know, but in terms of me getting mad and I'm not going to carry that stress. I'm, it, I got too much stress on me as it is to be worried about a receipt, but it's always good to keep your receipt right in your hand. So you don't get accused of stealing something. Don't get set up. Because they known to set people up as well. And those college students, I know that was kind of a terrifying um, experience for them. I'm glad that they had their receipts. But it, uh, it is what it is. I get tired of I get tired of slavery. I get tired of racism, white supremacy. I get tired of all of that. I get tired of so much stuff, man. This is why I kind of keep to myself and, and not around people. A lot like my cousin, every once in a while, I might stop in for 15, 20 minutes. They have a little cookout with, you know, playing music and stuff every weekend. He's about two doors down from me, you know, nothing but family members in between us. So we'll stop in there sometimes, but people get to drinking and people get to arguing. And then the next thing you know, I was sitting up here with my window open and I'm hearing all this shouting and yelling and going on, you know, down there. And I'm like, you know, I'm, I'm glad I'm not down there in that. You know what I'm saying? Because, you know, when there's alcohol involved, things tend to get out of hand. So I'm kind of what you might call a homebody. Um, I don't really do a whole lot. I don't go out a lot. I, I don't. I only go out when it's necessary. But that's that's just me. You know, I'm an older person now. I don't expect young people to to be, um, I wouldn't call myself a shut-in because it's by choice. Shut-ins are, are not shut-in by by choice, but mine is, is by choice. But I, I tend to stay away from people, period, because bad things happen. Bad things can happen. Especially, again, if alcohol is involved and I'm not trying to get caught up in no foolishness. All right. So let me move on to this story since we don't have uh, any callers who wants to voice anything. Let me play this clip for you. Now, I saw this clip. It was posted on Twitter. 
And I said, no, this dude didn't just stick that penis in his mouth and take a bite out of it. I don't care that it was a fake dummy penis. He still stuck it in his mouth. Seems like we got some homoeroticism or some homosexual tendencies going on there, Representative Jason Spencer. I mean, that was your thought after cutting off a penis was to stick it in your mouth? Wow, man. I'm like, if I was your wife, I'd be kind of questioning uh, your activities when you're not in my presence and what have you. You might be on the down low or something. I don't know, but you like sticking penises in your mouth and didn't and didn't care that he was being recorded either. Man, the people that are occupying the halls of power throughout the United States is enough to give you pause, man. Enough to give you pause. So let me play this clip from this scene. I got a longer clip that Showtime uh, shared in its official promo, but they didn't include this part in their official promo. Now, he said, he, he does say some offensive things um, in, the, in that Showtime promo, but somebody recorded this on their television and then they posted it to Twitter. And this is showing him sticking a penis in his, excuse me, in his mouth. So let me see if this... Um, here we go. All you damn sand niggers over in the Middle East, we are tired of you coming to America, and we are tired of you trying to threaten us. We will cut off your dick. You understand? We will take your dick, and we will shove it in your mouth, pull it off, turn it in your mouth. How are you going to rape children and women without a dick? I'm Jason Spencer. I'm an elected official in the state of Georgia. I'm a state representative member of the Georgia General Assembly. Now, in case you didn't hear that, I'm going to play it again, and I'm going to turn the audio up on my mixer a little bit. Um, wow, man. I mean, that uh, he didn't stick it in the dummy's right mouth right away. He stuck it in his own mouth. Took a bite out of it. I don't know if it was made of sausage or or whatever, man, but he sure took a chump out of it. Let me play that again, turn up the audio. All you damn sand niggers over in the Middle East, we are tired of you coming to America, and we are tired of you trying to threaten us. We will cut off your dick. You understand? We will take your dick, and we will shove it in your mouth, Pull it off, turn it in your mouth. How are you going to rape children and women without a dick? I'm Jason Spencer. I'm an elected official in the state of Georgia. I'm a state representative member of the Georgia General Assembly. Now, I tell you, man, <laughs> you have to see this. And I have shared that particular uh, video in the post for today's program. I also posted it and BTR community, our social media network for the radio network. And man, this guy, he just, I'm like, man, I'm, I'm still thrown. I'm still thrown off by that man. Just the visuals of seeing this dude cutting off somebody's penis. And he talks about, we want to stick it in your mouth and sticks it in his own mouth, bites it in half. Then he tries to stick it in the dummy's mouth. I'm like, yeah, dude, <laughs> you 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 like you like one of those white 
people that we read about or heard about in the delectable Negro about that homoeroticism and human consumption within the U.S. slave culture. Now, again, I don't like that title. Um, it should have been within American culture or within the United States. Um, what, they ain't have nothing to do with slave culture. What is slave culture? You know, when I think about what is slave culture, first of all, slave is a dehumanizing term. I don't like using that term. Um, but I think about the um, victims of slavery in Brazil and how they were prevented from practicing um, martial arts or some type of self-defense. And, and they tricked the slavers into thinking, oh, this is part of a religious ceremony and we're exercising and, and what have you. And I forget the name of that type of martial arts that they were practicing. I, I would say that's culture. Um, Gullah Geechee, you know, they came up with music, their own type of music. Uh, they developed their own um, staple foods off of what they could have. So, I mean, there, there was some culture going on, but if you look up the definition of culture, culture refers to like the arts and the sciences sciences and you know high achieving literature and you know stuff like that it, it, it's not really so much what we eat or the type of dances that we have I, it, it's not really that's not the definition of culture but it has been appropriated to mean these other things as well so I, I when I saw that I immediately thought about this book I thought about the context of white supremacy when they covered this and I'm gonna have to go back and listen to it uh, here are some of the chapters let me see if I can pull that up I shouldn't have closed out my uh, image editor but um let me see if I can pull up some of these chapters in there it talks about the uh, um the consumption of Nat Turner is one of the um chapters Nat Turner of course was a victim of slavery a Christian preacher who heard or saw signs from God that he should start a rebellion and what have you and um of course it failed and they killed him and they cut his body up and people took pieces of that body. I mean, we've seen that over and over throughout uh, different stories. I believe they did the same thing to Denmark uh, VC down there in Charleston, South Carolina after that failed uh, rebellion. So um, let me see if I still have it. Oh man, don't tell me. I've lost... I had made an image of it. So let me just pull up the Delectable Negro. It's on Amazon. And tell you a little bit about this book. I'm going to uh, go to the context of white supremacy on the Black Talk Radio Network and just type in uh, the Delectable Negro and pull up their book study uh, sessions. But I'm going to read... Uh, an article excerpt for you says the delectable Negro explores American slave culture. Again, you know, this isn't the culture of the victims, but the, but the slavers, you know, so I, I don't know, man. I think sometimes they, people don't do justice with their use of words. 
The delectable Negro explore, explores American slave culture, revealing the fantasies, investments, and discourses that figure the black slave as consumable and desirable, both charged with homoeroticism. For Vincent Woodard, notions of cannibalism and consumption within that culture have been overlooked by scholars. So this radical and incisive book disrupts our conventional readings of slavery as well as key literary and political texts. It should be noted here that Woodard died before his book was published. It is a shame that he could not see his daring work enter debate. Praise must go, go to Joyce and to Joyce and McBride, moreover, for their careful and attentive editorial work that made the publication of this text possible. Again, the book was um, the book was published after Woodard died. It says that Woodard's study attends to the moment when black masculinity, masculinity, racial identity, homoeroticism, and a distinctive American appetite for black male flesh and soul congealed. In one chapter, Woodard looks to the intersection and correlation between the consumptive appetites of whites and the transatlantic slave trade, reading various cultural coordinates together, including Ulada Equino's famous slave narrative. The next chapter describes the relation between slave degradation, often sexualized, you know, as we heard stories about buck breaking and what have you, where you had a strong black male victim of slavery who had a rebellious spirit and what have you. And in order to in order to break him of that spirit, they would tie them down and then rape them. Rape them in front of everybody. You know, can you just think of anything more humiliating as I, I would I wouldn't even put a gender on it. If it was a woman, I imagine she would be equally humiliated. So I'm not going to play the gender game here. But man, as a male, me being tied down and why these slavers take turn raping me, man, I would just want to die, man. Just kill me now, you know. Wow. Says in chapter three, Woodard attends to Frederick Douglass's writings, for he describes slavery, slavery more than anyone else has as a cannibalistic institution. So that's not talking about the literal consumption, although this book does talk about literal cannibalism. And in and, and the thing though, these the same people who like to talk about Africans or aboriginal people all over the world being cannibals and here we find in american history cannibals among them eating their victims of slavery okay but for frederick Douglass, he's using the cannibalistic institution as a metaphor for how the institution of slavery, and we can even apply it to the institution of prison slavery today, that it, it just has an appetite for black male bodies. Not that black males are the only ones right now. Black females are the fastest growing demographic of those who are finding themselves in prisons across the nation 
Um, you know, there are more people in state prisons than there are in federal prisons, but black black women are the fastest growing demographic in the past decade. Um, but then when you look at the headlines today, especially as it pertains to the refugees or what have you, the uh, increased appetites for those bodies as well. And, and it's all about consuming those bodies and producing profit. Just uh, insatiable, if you will, desire for these non-white bodies in these prison institutions. All right, so it, it just taught, let me read a little bit more. The next chapter reads, Harriet Jacobs' slave narrative through the gendered elements of consumptive desire. So it's good they focus on the men and the women. Again, this goes back to when I started the broadcast and was telling you about a recent experience I had where this cashier was joking about prison rape and saying that it was worse than slavery in the past and, and what have you. And I'm saying to myself, she does not know about the, the homosexual rape of men on them plantations, the rape of women, and she's got to know, you know, or the pedophilia and what have you, the rape of children. And, and But again, it wasn't my time or place. It wasn't the time. And Dollar General wasn't a place for Scotty to be giving a class to some ignorant, racist, redneck suspect on, you know, what what happened on plantations prior to 1865. So, um, so that chapter focuses on, uh, let's see, Wooder ultimately suggests that scholars of slavery need to get beyond our theoretical aversions to gender and sex variance. Now, what I can take from that, oh, it goes on to say in this world and in its literature. Now, what I can take from that is that, sure, they'll talk about Sally Hemmings. They'll talk about Thomas Jefferson. They'll even talk about it again in romanticized language and what have you. Have you make you think it was a relationship and that Sally Hemmings could, could consent to having sex and having the children of her racist enslaver, all right? They don't mind talking to you about that, all right? But when it comes to their homosexual inclinations towards the black male victim of slavery, oh, they want to hide that, according to Woodard. They don't want to talk about that. They don't want to talk about it. But then you got Representative Jason Spencer sticking penises, uh, the imaginary penises of what he calls sand niggers in his mouth. That's kind, of, that's kind of cannibalistic, don't you think? Is he a cannibal? Who knows? Chapter 5 circles around the figure of Nat Turner, the literal and the literary and metaphorical consumption of his body. So apparently they literally ate parts of Nat Turner's body. What was that about? What was that about? So again, I didn't get an opportunity to listen to the entire book study series, but I think I'm going to, no, I don't think I'm going to look it up on Black Talk Radio, the context of white supremacy. I must, I want to start with chapter five, 
with Nat Turner being that he's a um, figure of interest to me personally, but man, I mean, I knew that they mutilated his body and took home souvenirs. I didn't know that they throw some of his body on the barbecue, apparently. Oh, my God, man. This, this is the most disgusting. Man, I, I tell you, man, people talk about ancient Rome as being a decadent place. I bet you ancient Rome ain't got nothing on American culture. Nothing on American culture. They, they just simply cannot have the decadence, the depravity, the sociopathy, I don't think the Romans could hold the candle to the Americans. And you know America likes to model itself off of Rome. So I, I, I just, man, I tell you, just a very disgusting society. And, and why would anybody want to pledge allegiance to this? I, I just don't understand it. So I'm going to take a station identification break. And then I'm going to let you hear this five-minute clip where he's talking mostly about saying niggers. And, I, you know, I never heard this type of language was I, when I was in the military, but most of the people that was in my unit were people of color. I had Polynesians in my unit, uh, black people, obviously, and just a few white people who were in my unit. One Jewish guy when I was stationed over there in Saudi Arabia and what have you. So I never heard anyone use this language, but I have read about it. You know, as I stated, I couldn't find the article and it makes sense that they would suppress it of the African-American Muslim um, who killed his commanding officer and a bunch of his lieutenants and what have you over them calling people sand niggers and what have you over their racism and racism is rampant in the United States military. It's also rampant in most of these European militaries as I came across an article with similar uh, uh, problems in the Australian army as well. But let me take this station identification break. And then when I come back, I'll play that five minute clip for you. It speaks for itself, and if we have no questions or comments from the listening audience, we'll get ready to close out the program. You're listening to Black Talk Radio News on the Black Talk Radio Network. Black Talk Radio Network is the world's largest depository of black-produced podcasts and radio streams. And we're not talking corporate, we're talking grassroots. It is maintained by the North Carolina-based nonprofit Black Talk Media Project. If you would like to see our work continue, please make a donation today. We'll be right back. No, I'm not a writer. Okay. Black Talk Radio, since 2008, providing new black media for the masses. And welcome back to BTR News, Scotty Reed sitting in. Usually this time, in this time slot, you will be listening to Tando Radio. Uh, Tando Radio is still on vacation and will be on vacation until 
next Monday. I hope that you aren't too disappointed um, that you're hearing the sound of my voice. It's me, Scotty Reed, broadcasting from behind these enemy lines. So, you know, um, this Sasha Baron Cohen, man, this is a guy, uh, I don't find this to be funny, but he's a funny guy. And I think he might have outdone himself than the stuff that he's done in the past. You know, there's this white guy. He runs Project uh, Veritatis right now, or, or Veritas. I'm not sure on the pronunciation. It's a Latin word. And his name is James O'Keefe. Y'all might remember James likes to dress up like a pimp and go into what was then Acorn Offices. Acorn was a nonprofit organization that helped people find affordable housing. And they got dismantled after Barack Obama's administration, without any investigation whatsoever, cut off all their federal funding to help people find affordable housing because James O'Keefe dressed up like a pimp who was looking for a house to house prostitutes in, or I should say sex workers in, and like he went up in Acorn and was upfront about this and they helped him. He heavily edited the video. He was not wearing the pimp costume when he went in the office. He just wore the pimp costume while they filmed him walking up to the door, but he went in there dressed like a regular individual and he heavily edited the acorn tapes and even a judge later ruled that but that didn't stop the obama administration from being reactionary and jumping a gun and destroying this very very productive uh worthwhile organization helping people find federal housing so james o'keefe the stuff that he did it it don't hold a candle to what sasha and cohen has done to these racists. And I'm saying racist and not racist suspect because in Jason Spencer's case, he makes it abundantly clear that he's a racist. He's a racist. All right, so this is Sasha Baron Cohen. I don't know. Man, I if I came across him with this face on, with this mask, I'd be like, this dude, what what the hell wrong with your face, man? It looked like it's made of rubber or something. What's up, man? Is that a mask you got? He just don't seem, look like a real individual. He looks like a, um, a, um, a flesh and blood cartoon character. But he's playing a Israeli. And there's something to say about that, too. That he's playing this Israeli military contractor or terrorism expert and I'm like why is he playing an Israeli and getting these people to admit to racism or or to put their racist thoughts on display you know uh, well that's because Israel's a racist nation it's an apartheid nation and so that is what the support for Israel is based on it ain't cause they the only democracy and they, they don't have a democracy. They have an apartheid government. Okay. They don't have no democracy, but that's what you'll hear from these racist suspects. Oh, they got the, we must defend the democracy. Just like they, how they talking about Russia right now. We got to defend democracy. No matter 
how many people they kick off the voter rolls, no matter how many people we disenfranchise and deny them the right to vote. None of that. None of the, the electronic vote flipping and all that. We must defend democracy. You know, give me a break, man. But that's it. But their, their love, if you will, their kinship that they feel with the Israelis is based on white supremacy. So here is Who Is America clip featuring Robert, excuse me, featuring Representative Jason Spencer. We can get this to play as I'm starting up. Again, those issues with the browser already is starting up. Here we go. Again, this is uh, on Showtime now. It's a, a comedy series uh, starring Sasha Baron Cohen. Erev Tov. My name, Captain Eran Morad. Today we learn defense from radical Islam terror. Picture the scene. You are chained to a radiator. Naked with a bag over your head. All of a sudden, terrorists break in and kidnap you, completely ruining your birthday party. Yalla, what are we waiting for? Let's go! My name is Iran Morad. I was in the Mossad for, I mean, I was not in the Mossad for 13 years. I'm here to teach you Krav Maga. Who are you? My name is Jason Spencer. I'm a state representative uh, in the Georgia General Assembly. That's the House of Representatives. Jason Spencer, a Republican, threatened his former Democratic colleague after she criticized his support of Confederate monuments on Facebook. Representative Jason Spencer says his bill is definitely in response to mass terrorists. House Bill 3 would make it illegal for people to conceal their faces in public. I don't call it a burqa ban. I call it an anti-masking statute. Okay. okay because, Politically correct. Because in the well, to win in the legal system, you cannot you cannot be against the First Amendment. See, this is how the Muslims in the country are using our First Amendment against them. You have to fight fire with fire. Yes, sir. Do you know how to spot the difference between somebody who is a terrorist in a burqa and a normal woman in a burqa? I cannot tell. We have developed a technique. Mm -hmm. Do you want to know how to sure. do this? Absolutely. We take a selfie stick and we take a photo underneath. It is the same that you do with the car. Mm -hmm. These are photos that I took. Mm -hmm. Look at this. This was a man. Yeah. What is that? It looks like a Glock 45. Yeah. You recognize this guy? I recognize the gun. I do not know whether this is a woman or a man with a explosive. We pretend to be a Chinese tourist because the Chinese are always taking selfie. Okay, convince him or her that you are Chinese. Go. Red Dragon, Beijing. Hong Kong, I see I'm into Hong Kong sushi. When I said, Oh, I see the red dragon. Do you speak Chinese? Ho Chi Minh City? Oh, no, no. So, no, no. Thank you. Thank you. Red dragon chopstick. Sushi. Sushi. Oh, no. Good. Let's look at the picture. He's not a terrorist. Because of who you are, you could be the victim of kidnapping by ISIS. You have two seconds to attract attention. How do you attract attention? Well, you start screaming, 
Take your clothes off. In America, there is one forbidden word. It is the N-word. Now, I am going to be the terrorist. You have three seconds to attract attention. Go! Nigger! 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 Are you crazy? The N-word is noony. Not this word. This word is disgusting. Got it. ISIS are scared of being seen as homo. You know what it ah, means, homo? Yeah, yeah. If your buttock touch them, it means they have become a... Homosexual. Now I am going to teach you how to use your buttocks to intimidate ISIS. Huh. Show me the buttock. No, trousers down. Okay, go. America! Good, one more time, but louder with America. America! Good. We say in the Mossad, I mean not in the Mossad, if you want to win, you show some skin. Okay. Okay, show it to me. Now, try to touch me. I'll touch you, I'll touch you with my buttocks. I'll touch you, you better drop the gun, or I'll touch you. USA! Okay, stop. You have to remind me. If I touch you, you will become a homosexual. Okay. Okay? Now, try to touch me. Go! Ah, ah, ah. Go, 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 go! Ah, ah, ah. Go! Go, go! Ah, ah. USA! USA, motherfucker! Okay, yes or no? You show me your weapon. Go! I'll touch you. I'll make you a homosexual. You drop that gun right now. USA! Okay. USA! I mean, if y'all have <laughs> seen this, man, no wonder he was trying to sue to keep this film from being aired, dropping his pants, backing up his butt towards somebody. I mean, these are the people who are writing laws. So it's not so hard to understand how these private prison corporations and other industries are able to get legislatures to push some of the legislation that they push to keep the prisons full. You got idiots like this. This man is a certified idiot. Not only that, a terrorist. And then the dude, it's not like he's baiting them. It's like when he started yelling nigger over and over and over again. He was like, you know, that's a forbidden word. The N-word is a forbidden word in America. And then this dude starts saying, nigga, nigga, nigga. Man, that's a sound bite right there for Gus. Oh, my God. This guy, man. But it's just so scary to me because these are the people who are writing laws and passing legislation in this, in this country. All right, that's all I got for you today. I tell you, man. Oh, Lord, we need help. As we are trapped behind these enemy lines with these sociopaths. All right, again, uh, thank you for tuning in. Tando Radio Show will be back on Monday. I do plan on doing the program tomorrow if nothing happens. So join me again at 6 o'clock p.m. Eastern for another broadcast, live broadcast of Black Talk Radio News. Peace and blessings to all out there. Stay safe behind these enemy lines.